It must have been something when Jesus would perform a miracle. And the weeping and the dancing and rejoicing would take place. And then he would have them sit down so that he could teach them. If truth be known, Jesus was the teacher. That's why they called him rabbi. Even Nicodemus, who came to the Lord by night, addressed him in such manner. Rabbi, we know that thou art a good teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. There is a fivefold ministry. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. They are given to the body for the operation of this body, the body of Jesus Christ. And they are given so that we could be healthy to learn and to know. The Lord spoke to me several months ago about awareness. The Bible says in the book of Numbers, I'm sorry, uh, Chronicles, that the sons of Issachar, one of the tribes of Israel, they had a unique quality about them. It wasn't that they were warriors, though they were, or that they were skilled craftsmen, though many of them were. But the Bible says their unique quality was this. They understood the times they were in, and they understood what to, what they ought to do. Now, I don't want to rehearse the precarious times with you today. Although they need to be stated, and they will be in short order. But I want us to be awake. Let me just tell you about this church. I can't speak for any other church. We are not woke, but we have to be awake. We're going to be awake. Awake out of sleep and out of slumber. It's high time. We've got to work the works of him while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Amen. And today we have the teacher has come. I've asked him to come because as we were in fellowship, the Lord revealed something to him and through him. I want your eyes to be open. I want us to be aware. I want us to know the times that we're living in. It's high time to awake. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the, if if there was ever a time for you to kind of live half-heartedly, this is not the time. That time was a couple years back. If there was ever a time for you to kind of, you know, cruise in and out, that, that time is gone. Now is the time. And we have got to understand the times that we're in and what we ought to do. Amen. I want you to stand your feet and welcome Brother Galen Walters to this platform. Would all the New Life family welcome him? He's coming to teach today. Jesus. You may be seated. My, what a church. My Lord. If I live close enough, I would drive. 
I do live close enough to fly, and it's tempting. We're up. Thank you, Lord. Let me see now if I can get this to work. Oh, man, this is beautiful. Thank you, Brother Terry. Uh, These guys back here are phenomenal. You have no idea how good they are. And and you cannot have an idea how nerve-wracking it is to go somewhere and know that you've got to deal with technology. And you have great odds of dealing with someone that has no clue what they're doing. Me. So the odds are high. Wow, I could go to tr- I, I, I could make it to heaven from here, Brother Harpole. This is, this is an amazing church. I, we were here in October for just a, a, one service and had some fellowship together, and, and uh, we ended up sharing some of this material, and I don't even know how we got on it, but um, the, the Lord has uh, kind of worked my motor over over the last few years, to say the least. And uh, so I am honored to be here today, I honor the Harpoles and this wonderful work. I was able last night to meet with the leadership team, some folks on leadership, and uh, I've never in my life been talking about leadership and had the Holy Ghost hit me. But last night it happened. And then, that's amazing, yes. But this morning at 2.30, I'm over in your family apartment. And I, I was awakened abruptly, and I told Brother Harpole this earlier, and I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. I, I, I was awakened, and you know when you get awakened in the middle of the night, you either are groggy and you think you've gotten too hot or something like that, or you just get startled awake. I was startled awake. And I thought, is it somebody here? Is there something here? And I laid there for a second, and I started to pray. And when I opened my mouth to pray... There was nothing but tugs. And the Lord confirmed to me that I'm right on target. All right? Because when, when you're, I mean, this is not a typical lesson. It's not something I typically do. It's, it, this is more of a presentation of what the Lord has shown me. And uh, so I, there is a lesson embedded in it. But yet, it's not your typical Sunday school lesson. So, you always stress a little bit about how's it going to be taken, how's it going to be, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You just always tend to worry about the wrong things. And uh, sure enough, I do. So, let me, let me just say a couple of things to you this morning before I get into the lesson. Uh, I'm sorry my wife cannot be here today. Mickey, uh, I love to teach with her in the room. Uh, I know she's got my back. Uh, I love teaching. I've been teaching my entire life pretty much about 40 something years and uh taught young adults and singles and and young marrieds and um taught churches and things of that sort so uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable teaching but something has shifted uh in the last few years in, in my teaching and in my spirit and uh so when COVID happened I was blessed to go up to my farm and uh, stay there for a few weeks during the lockdown. And I was praying uh, every morning and reading my word, which I do religiously. It's my, it's my strength. 
If you're not praying and reading the word every morning, you need to start today. Tomorrow morning, first thing. Because it is our life. It is our strength. And I was praying and... You know, we were all stressed out about this silly pandemic thing and, and uh, you know, wanting to know what it meant really scripturally and where was it coming from and all this. So I'm digging into all that. And and I, I saw something in, in that process that shook me a little bit. And the Lord gave me a revelation back in 2014 about a year. And... Uh, that has stuck with me now since 2014, and I have worked on it relentlessly. Uh, I'm a sevens guy. All of you, how many of you are sevens people? You, you, you like studying the sevens in the scripture, and some of you probably do. Nobody raised your hand, so I'm the only sevens guy here. I'm sorry. I could go about three weeks on the sevens in the scripture. I love it. But 1967 was a special point in time when Israel. Uh, took back Jerusalem. And uh, so that revelation was not a big deal in 2014. But what happened was, what all happened in that same year, I started discovering this. The Lord started opening up resources to me and started showing me some things. And it literally blew my mind. And I'm going to touch on a couple of those today because it's the foundation of what we see happening now. Everything that's happening now had a root in 67. And that's bizarre, I know. And so work with me a little bit, and I'll, I'll get there. So in 2020, March or April, setting up in my office, praying about this whole situation, and the Lord showed me a, an exponential curve. And, and uh, I don't know if you know anything about exponential curves. They're typically in, in biology and math and, and physics and things of that sort. But I was looking at... When did the when did the pandemic start, and what was the turning point of it? And because I knew we had reached a point of no return, I mean we'd crossed over a line where millions of people were going to be infected and all those kinds of things. And I'm not here to talk about the pandemic. Trust me, I'm tired of talking about. It. I'm tired of listening about. It. I don't want to talk about it at all. But what I saw there was there was an exponential curve. There was a point that it started. All right. And lo and behold, it was in 1967, and I'll show you that in just a second. But as we, as I dealt with that, I looked back at this 1967 thing and saw an exponential curve there. That there was exponential technological and geographical or geopolitical change that happened in 67 that's happening still today. And there was exponential moral decay that started in 67, and it's, it's at a fevered pitch right now. I mean, we, we're, we're losing our way. And it's bleeding into the church. Okay? Maybe not this one. But it's bleeding into me. And it's bleeding into you as an individual. We don't even realize the forces that are against us. So these six winds that I'm talking about today are six forces, however you want to look at them. Uh, it's fine. But I want to I want to touch on 67 for a second. In 1967 was the the microwave, the ATM machine, the computer mouse, the handheld computer, DRAM memory, floppy disk, Moore's law, talking about replication of transistor memory every year. 
still happening, by the way. Object-oriented programming, first all transistor televisions, packet transfers for data, personal computer, the A300 Airbus, the 737-100 Boeing aircraft, both of those were the first mass transit airlines. They both happened in 67, and by the way, the Concorde supersonic aircraft was in 67. The ARPANET, which was the introduction of the Internet, was in 67. The satellite transmission, the first satellite transmission of color television was in 67 with the Beatles. Uh, The first heart transplant, the first man-made DNA, the first man-made virus, SARS, was created in the laboratory in 67. And the first chronically preserved human. Look at social change. First homosexual documentary to made public with Mike Wallace. UK legalizes homosexual homosexuality. British Parliament decriminalizes it. Denmark legalizes pornography for the first time in history in 67. California passes the no-fault divorce law with Ronald Reagan. Summer of Love in Los Angeles. And I could go on and on and on about that one topic. I am condensing today in two slides what I normally teach for three weeks. <laughs> so you're just having to get the... The salt here. Uh, defiance mindset set in. Sexuality open in public was in 67. Sex and violence in movies uh, advanced to a rapid rate. Bonnie and Clyde and the graduate Bonnie and Clyde was the first bisexual scene ever in history on film. It was the first up close blood packets ever to be used where murder was shown up close. I mean, the violence that it introduced into American film is unprecedented. The graduate was the first married woman having sex with a young man. You hear what I'm telling you? Satan was loosed in 67 and poured this mess out on this country and on the world. And we're living with the results of all this right now. We're dealing with it right now. Abortion was legalized in California and Colorado. The abortion pill passes in Britain, uh, British Parliament. Six degrees of separation was discovered. Now, why is that even important? All social media today is founded on the six degrees of separation. That is the principle behind social media. 1967. Digest that. The Detroit riots, 43 dead. First mass shooting was in December of 66 right before 67 started, and the Church of Satan was formed in 66, right before 67. Imagine all the horror of our moral decline that we have experienced in the last 30, 40 years, and imagine that it all happened in one year. It all started in one year. Imagine all the technological advances I talked about, the microwave, all these things that we just take for granted today, and every one of them started in 67. Something happened. Something happened in 67. We have no idea what it is. I'm not here to tell you what it was. I'm just putting a thought in your mind that something massive happened when when Israel took over Jerusalem. Think about that. Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the Jews take it back over. And that happened in 67. Geopolitical changes. Israel takes back Jerusalem in the Six-Day War, which is a phenomenal story. If you have never studied the Six-Day War, go spend some time with it. Blow your mind. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Defeating the Arab world that surrounded them in miraculous victory. The IMF creates a special drawing rights or SDR baskets for nations that are struggling. They're using them today. They were developed in 67. 
not used for a long, long, long time, and suddenly they're used. The gold standard for the U.S. dollar was eliminated, and the Palestinian Liberation Organization was founded. Phenomenal, isn't it? That's a lot that happened in one year. Go look at all other years. I've looked at the rest of them. I looked at 66, I looked at 68, then I looked at 65, and I looked at 69. I just kept saying, what am I seeing here? But the Lord just kept opening up stuff in 67 for me to see, and I didn't know what it was about until March of 2020. I started writing a book on 67 called The Beginning of the End. I read in Daniel talking about the time of the end, and I thought that has to be the beginning of the time of the end. That has to be it. So I, I was off on a tangent on all that stuff, and I get to March of 2020, and I see that the SARS virus was created in a laboratory in 67. And then I knew I was onto something. It was, it was crazy. And by the way, there are seven SARS viruses. That's enough of that. So today there are six winds blowing against the church. And uh, I, how I got here, I need to tell you how I got here. I was up in the office, a friend of mine during March, we just had the lockdown started, and he said, I've got a book you have to read. And it was called The End of Power by Moise's Nam, or name, N-A-I-M. Uh, it's called The End of Power, and it was about the apostolic movement taking over South America and taking the power away from the Catholic Church. That people could go to the Lord directly, took the power from the Catholic Church. And then it goes through governments, and it goes through currencies, and it just keeps talking on and on. But he said there were three three principles or three forces, he called them, that were driving everything in the world today. One of them was more, M-O-R-E, more, just an age of abundance. The other one was mentality. We don't think the same. And the third one was uh, more mentality and mobility. Mobility, the ability to move around. And the Lord, I'm telling you, when I read this book, and I was reading it at a rapid rate, trying to absorb it, I've read it, th- I read it three times in several weeks there, just literally trying to get my head around the impact on the church because the Lord struck me that these were forces that we're dealing with in the church. And are we prepared to deal with them? I want to look at, let me, let, me, let me look at Luke. Let me show you something real quick. Luke 10. Let me read this. Luke 10, 17 through 19. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What I love about this scripture is that first power there is exhaustia or exosia, however you want to say that. And the second one is dynamis or dunamis. So that first power, we have power to tread on scorpions and serpents. That's not a snake. That's an imitation snake that Satan uses. It's the wiles of Satan. It's his ways. But that word power, that exousia there, is dominion and authority. We don't realize what we have. Think about that. He gives us exousia over serpents and scorpions. The scorpions are a wound. 
The scorpion bites with his tail. I mean, he, he stings with his tail. He puts a penetration into the skin. The scorpion is a wound. The serpent is mental. I don't think you get it. We have power over that. He gave us dominion and authority over the mental battle that we're in with Satan and over the wounds that he inflicts upon us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That second one there, and power over the enemy, that power is dunamis or dynamis. And that's just the power of resources. That's brute force. That's a different kind of power. That's all the power he has over us. He just got brute force. But we've got dominion and authority. He can mess us up a little bit, but we can conquer him. That's a beautiful thing. So I, I had those three, I called them the three M's, more mobility and mentality. And I started working on them about the church and I had a lot of time on my hands. You all had time on your hands during that time, right? So I had some extra time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a researcher and a, and, and a studier. I'd rather study than teach. I love this. Is that you, Hillary? Wow. It's good to see you. And I, and I love studying. So I was studying these three things out, looking at the impact on the church and the Lord spoke to me one morning, prayed, and he said, there's more. And I'm like, man, more what? <laughs> there's, there's more for you to see. So I just kept doing research and kept studying. So the first, the first was the, 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 the first one I got, he showed me me, M-E, me, as a wind that's blowing against the church right now. All right. We've never lived in a more narcissistic society in the, in the history of the world than right now. All you narcissists in the room understand what I'm talking about. It's all about us. I don't know if our dad's trained us this way or what, but we've got to be careful. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, so I'll move on here. So he showed me me. And, and I dove into me, so I knew there were four M's, and I was, I was excited about that. And then he showed me another one. He showed me morality or immorality. And I started looking at that because it was so rooted in 67, and I was so familiar with it, and I was dealing with it, and it just kept percolating in my spirit. And the more I prayed about it, the more it became real. And then what I thought, I thought, okay, there's seven of these. There's our humanity comes alive, right? I thought, okay, there, there's got to be seven of these. So I start praying for the Lord to show me the seven because I knew I was onto something and, and he was showing me something. This is going over weeks and weeks and weeks. And so as I started studying for the seventh one, the, the sixth and seventh one, I was reading about the common agenda at the United Nations that was passed in November of last year. And it troubles me greatly because we, we hear about the global governance. We hear about the one world government. We hear about all these things out there and you don't really ever relate it to something real. It, it's almost like hyperbole. We, we, we've been talking about the rapture forever. I'm not sure we believe it's really going to happen sometimes. Sometimes. 
I don't want it to be hyperbole. I know it's going to happen. So I've got to be preparing. And our churches need to be preparing people to teach Bible studies and to assimilate people into the harvest here. We, we, we've got to be ready for what the Lord's doing in this hour. If we don't prepare, he's not going to fill. He is a God who fills. All right. You go back to the widow woman and the vessels. And she told her sons, you know, the prophet told her to get the vessels and start filling them up with oil. And the more vessels you can get, the more. And if you read those scriptures closely there, that last vessel, when she said, son, get me another vessel. And he said, mom, there are no other vessels. That's it. We, we, we've gotten everything we can get. And it says, and the oil stopped flowing. Think about that. No vessels, no oil. We're the vessels. It's up to us to make ourselves available to be used. The Lord called me to surrender 10 years ago. I'm 53 years old. I'm, I've sung I Surrender All my entire life. How many of you sung that song, I Surrender All? Well, let me tell you a secret. Surrendering and singing that song are two vastly different experiences. I don't have time to go into it, but I'll tell you that it took me two years to surrender. But the Lord gave my wife a word, not me. That was the first awakening. He gave her a word for me. Whew, did not set well. I wasn't mad with God, I was mad at me. Why couldn't he tell me that? First thing went through my mind when she called me crying at the office. She said, Galen, the Lord just gave me a word to me. Get a pen, write this down. I got to read it to you. She read it to me. And the first thing went through my mind was, why didn't he tell me this? And then it hit me. Too much noise. The vessel wasn't ready. But he had a work for us to do. And he had to do it through my wife. Sorry, guys. We don't listen real well sometimes to our wives. And sometimes we're not listening too well to the Lord, obviously. <laughs> Thought I was praying or reading my word. And the Lord speaks to her. She told me what he said and she said at the end. And the Lord told me that it would be confirmed this Sunday in Lake Charles when we go over to Brother Teresa's church. And so the Lord knew me really well because the first thing I thought was, how do I know this is real? None of y'all are like this, right? Your wife tells you a word from the Lord. Okay, that's great. You ready to go eat? <laughs> but then she said, the Lord's going to confirm this this Sunday. And so we go over there, and I'm going to go through this real quickly because I've got limited time here. And we get over there. They're having a quartet scene. He's not going to preach. And I thought, aha, wasn't the Lord. My wife. Trying to get me to clean up my ways here, change my ways. I'm glad she's not here now. She's watching, but sorry. Sorry, honey. I'll make it up to you somehow. Mother's Day. He gets up, introduces Brother Kelly Patrick to preach, and goes and sits down. And I'm like, this was a bust. I'm sorry, I'm human, right? I'm just animating it slightly which I have a habit of doing 
Brother Kelly Patrick gets the mic, starts to get his text ready. He's opening his Bible, and Brother Therese gets up and walks back to the pulpit, taps him on the shoulder, takes the mic. And he says, the Lord is talking to somebody here today. And almost verbatim. For what the Lord told Mickey, the Lord used the same statement about Moses. And he told me, he said, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. But he said, holy ground has obligation. You must surrender before you have revelation. I'd been praying for revelation for years and was hollow, nothing, nothing. That was in 2012, August. In 2014, the Lord started opening up things. And I started documenting and researching and building databases and data sets. And thank God I'm a technologist. I love technology. And so I was able to start building where I could assimilate all this data and tie it together and, and tie it all back to the right timing. And, and it's just been a phenomenal experience. But I was, I was, I'm going to circle back now to the UN thing. I'm, I'm reading about the common agenda in November that just happened. And it struck me I needed to read this document. So I find the source document for the common agenda, downloaded it, and had Brother Art Wilson help me uh, get access to it. If y'all don't know Brother Art Wilson, an amazing man. He is our pastor in the United Nations, and now he is one of the only pastors in the United Nations, and he's apostolic. It's an amazing man, just amazing. I've had him to the farm for a week at a meeting and was able to uh, pick his brain a little bit, and man, what a what an amazing guy! I love him to death. But I started reading this common agenda, and this common agenda is worrisome because they want to pass this all and institute it all in the fall of twenty three before the next U.S. election. I wonder why. It says it in the document that it has to be passed. In the fall of 23, before the next U.S. election occurs. And the common agenda basically is one world governance. We're closer than we know. All right? And what they're talking about is the word equity is used throughout this document. And it's around the LGBTQ, XRYZ, W, all this stuff. it's, It's wrapped around all of that in the equity terminology. In other words, they're going to restrict what you can say legally and can't say legally. Things that are in our Bible, things that are in here, we won't be able to say if this comes to fruition. The war in Ukraine is the only hope I have that this thing will get delayed and pushed out. But yet they're full steam ahead right now. So the Lord showed me multilateralism. Multilateralism is the sixth M here. And multilateralism, all that means is how many nations does it take or how how few nations does it take that buy into this that takes the whole world down this path. It's one world governance. It's multilateralism is literally about getting the right nations together and getting them in sync with each other. And then here we go. So I knew there was a seventh one. I had the sixth one. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to give me the seventh one. We'll make a lesson out of this. <laughs> Work with me. And uh, I was praying. This went on for several weeks. And one morning I was at my, I, I prayed at a rocking chair in my office. 
And I was kneeling down on my little rug there praying at my rocking chair. And I said, Lord, I've got to have the next one of these. I've got to have the last one. I know there's another one. And I set it set up in my chair. When I turned around and set up in my chair, if I've ever heard the Lord speak, I heard it. And he said, seven is my number. Six is the number of man. That was it. And I thought, there is not seven. There's only six of these. And so I knew in my spirit that I needed to stop the search and go to work. So this lesson today, or what I'm showing you today, is the outcropping of that. So the six winds blowing against the church are me, more, mobility, mentality, morals, and multilateralism. These are six massive winds blowing against the church right now. And, and it sounds like, it almost sounds like it's, it's some kind of little story. But when you dig into this, you see the effects on us right now. So let's, let's dive into this. Am I doing okay on time? Okay. So what I did was built this little graphic because this is the way I saw it. Okay. So this dotted line represents... A linear church. All right, the little leaning building there is the church being blown right now. But this dotted line represents a linear church. We are a linear church in an exponential world. We have never seen the exponential like we're seeing it right now in human history. There's books being written on it right now. The speed at which, do you feel the thing? Do you feel what I'm talking about? Do you feel like everything's running at a very high speed right now? And do you feel like it's overlaid? Used to one event happened, then another event happened, then another event happened, then another event. Now it seems like there's an event, and in the middle of it there's another one, and then another one. And this thing is just cascading out of control. That's the, that's the definition of exponential. There's an inflection point. It starts slow. It can go years before we get to a turning point. Then there's a turning point when another event happens that's major. Think of pregnancy. There's an inflection point, then there's a turning point when you start having those minor contractions, and there's a point of no return when the baby's born. That's an exponential experience. Why do you think the scripture refers back to birth pangs? He knew it was something we could relate to. There's been an inflection point, we're in the turning point, and we're headed to the point of no return right now. And so I've done the research, and I don't have time. I, I, I can show you this. I just don't, I don't have time today. I've done the research to show you that every single one of these six curves are truly exponential curves, and all six of them have their root in 67. Okay? So this, out of these winds that are blowing on this church today, and this is my church. This is our church. Out of this has to come growth. Out of this has to come an awareness of where we are in this moment. Out of this has to come you engaging in kingdom work yourself. Not as a corporate body necessarily, but as an individual. Do you hear me? Each one of us should be planting seed every day. And I talked about this last night for some reason. Every, because I guess it's top of mind. 
Every day you should be planting seed. Every day you should be watering. All right? And I said this last night. I'll say it now and I'll get in trouble for saying it. I don't think we're soul winners. I think we're planters. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There is some scripture about soul winning, so I understand that. But I believe we're planters. If you will just plant, don't worry about the person coming to the church. Plant the seed. That's what he told us to do. Water that seed. Let somebody else help you water that seed. What will happen, there'll be people driving down this road out here that the Lord speaks to and say, you're supposed to be in that church. And they'll turn in, come in, and you'll hear, you're going to hear these stories. You probably hear them already. There's people going to say, I was just driving by. I was praying in my kitchen, and the Lord told me that I'm supposed to find this church. I looked online, found this church, and here I am. I don't know what I'm doing here. You're going to, you know why? You're planting. You're watering. And guess what? God's giving the increase. You're not going to be able to house all these people. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have multiple works come out of here. You're going to have those little black things are houses. Those little things are churches. And those little other things are Bible studies being taught everywhere. There should be, these winds should not destroy us. These winds should not take us down. These winds should propagate us into action and being engaged in the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let me, I'm going to dive into each one of these very briefly. I'm I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg here. I've got enough notes that I could go for days on every one of these, which I don't know why I do this, but I just drive myself crazy. The wind of me is blowing against the church. The summer of love in 67 was the catalyst of the me movement, the selfie generation. I don't know if you know how many photographs are taken, but do you know a millennial will spend... Uh, how many years is it? Just taking pictures of themselves. They take 450 pictures of themselves a year. Average millennial is taking 450 pictures of themselves a year. Don't tell me we're not narcissists. I mean, think about that. That's just insanity. There's an obsession with self. And what you'll hear, and I hear it all the time. You hear people say, my pastor preaches these standards or preaches that, but I just don't feel that. Where did we get that permission? Who gave you the permission to feel differently than the word? That's not coming from God. You didn't hear from him. You're hearing from some other source. Think about that. I feel, I think that's not the way I see that scripture. That's not in context. You're taking that out of context. Where do we get that permission from? I, you know, I, I don't know. I think I do know where it's coming from. I think it's the wind of me blowing on this place, blowing on all of us. The age of narcissism that bled into the church. The, 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 get in trouble here. The pastor that becomes a, um, an icon. Let me tell you something. I've been watching your services since 2018, 2019. During COVID, we started watching you every service. And now we watch your Sunday service on Tuesday and your Wednesday night on Thursday. 
I'm familiar with what you're getting across this pulpit. In fact, I'm intimately familiar with it. I know him better than he knows me. And, and I'll tell you something. You can go to heaven from here. And I have people call me all the time. I have a lot of friends. I'm a pretty social guy. A lot of friends connected to a lot of people. I have people ask me, should I be in this church? Should I be in What do you think about this church? And I always say to them, go to a church you can go to heaven from. Everything else is noise. Nothing else matters. The programs don't matter. The pews don't matter. The colors don't matter. The music doesn't matter. What matters is can you go to, can you go to heaven from here? We're going to spend eternity somewhere. This matters. This is vital. And what you're getting across this pulpit from this pastor and from the other guys that teach up here. And I love the shocks. I'm very close to the shocks. The shocks and I've been working together for the last five years. Kingdom Leader Lab and the Iskar Project. And uh, very honored to work with him. And I love Brother Shock and Sister Melanie to death. They're wonderful people. And honored to be with them a lot. But I'm honored also to get to hear them teach across this pulpit. I love that. And she, the other night, I don't know if you heard that Wednesday night thing she taught. Oh, my Lord. And your brother Scott, actually, the next time he taught, he was kind of felt kind of like a wounded warrior having to teach after her. And I would have, too. I'm glad, I'm glad I had some space there. I'm glad Brother Scott taught, and then I get to teach. That's a, <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better than her. The brand call you. Um, I'll show you something in just a second. The spirit of Laodicea is the people have the power. All right? We got to be careful, church. We got to be careful what we're feeling and what we're thinking and, 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 and how wise we think we are. And we better put that wisdom back in this book. Look at this. Six, in 97, uh, the brand called you. In 2005, the brand called you. In 2015, the brand of you. Time Magazine, 2013. Me, me, me generation. I mean, this is not something that's just suddenly happened. This has been brewing for a long time. This started in 67 with a summer of love where we abandoned all morals and everything we ever knew to be civil. And we opened up sex to the world and we opened up drug use to the world and we started smoking pot and all this stuff started happening in 67. And it was because they didn't care what you thought. It was about what I want. That's where the, that's the genesis of the spirit. I'm not saying it didn't exist before then, but I'm telling you the genesis of the explosion of this is, is started in 67. All right. Second Timothy three, one through five, uh, second Timothy three, one through five. And then verse seven, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Does this sound remotely like today? Without natural affection, oh my Lord, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Be careful who we're socializing with. I'm going to say something right now that I need to abide by. Be careful who you're following. If you're following, it says something about what you believe. Is that okay? 
don't follow me unless you believe in me. If I can lead you, you can follow. But I'm going to follow men I, I know that are in the word. But I need to not follow men that I know are not in the word. Because all it takes is one innocent person to see that I'm following them and say, well, he must not, he, he, he obviously doesn't, there must be something, what, what am I missing here? Does it make sense? That's not my notes. It's free. Ever learning and never, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. All right, the wind of me. The wind of more. It's an age of profusion, Moise's Nami says. It's, it's an age of abundance. All right? We have more now than we've ever had. You have more than you've ever had. All right? And think of this, Joel Osteen, it just hit me. Joel Osteen just published a book and it's entitled The Abundance Mindset. I went back and looked at all of his books to see, you know, he's published quite a few books there. All of them have the word abundance in them just about it. Go look at them. It's interesting. I'm not sure abundance is necessarily bad. The Lord's blessed me. I'm an entrepreneur. I've been blessed. The Lord's given us abundance to do, to do kingdom work with and to invest it back in the kingdom. But when the abundance becomes about me, it's devastating. When you think you've earned it, when you think you're entitled to abundance, when you think the Lord's going to pour abundance on you and you've done nothing to prove to him that you will reinvest it. When he was up here talking about giving tithing and offering, abundance doesn't happen if you're chinchy on your tithing and offering. He's not going to ruin you with abundance. And that's what would happen. You'd be destroyed if he gave you abundance if you don't understand the concept of giving in the scripture. Wow. I don't know where that came from. We have more money, more wars, more cars, more people, more spirituality. Have you ever seen as much spirituality, as many religions, as many doctrines, as much mess as we have right now? And you think we're all dealing out of the same Bible. It's interesting. More crime, pollution, global warming, freezing weather, flights, more addictions, more countries, more religions, more political parties, more armies, more weapons, more goods and services, more brands, more choices, more games, more preachers, more teachers, more doctrines, more students, more companies, literally more of everything. We're in an age of profusion, and profusion just means more. But think about it. We also want more. None of us are satisfied with what we have. We keep looking for bigger houses, a new house, even if your current house is okay. There's something about this age of consumerism that has smitten us, and we brought the consumerism into the church. We can only go 45 minutes because people are hungry. Really? Is there truly a hungry person in this room? I would venture to say there may be a couple. But the mass in here is not hungry. The mass in here is spoiled. 
I'm starving right now. I didn't eat this morning. I don't eat before I teach, but I feel it right now. But the reality is I'm not hungry. I'm selfish. I've got things to do. It's almost 12. I need to go. Really? Really? Think about that. When, when, we, when we start focusing on the time clock and stop focusing on what the Lord's trying to say, I'm afraid we will have it taken from us and given to somebody that's not in a big hurry. And I have no business saying that from this pulpit. I said it and I'm sorry. I don't mean that derogatorily, but I was in a church not long ago that had a time clock and I see one back here, but they had it while I was talking. I was a nervous wreck. I didn't do well with it and I didn't finish on time. First Timothy six, six, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Where will we stop? And say, God, I want you more than I want stuff. I want abundance so I can be a blessing to the kingdom. And I promise you, if you'll give it to me, I'll give it over there. I'll give it here. I'll give it there. I'll help this couple. I'll help that couple. We, we will take in this family that's broken. Our house is not too good to take people in. And if yours is, you need to go inspect it. Take some of the 400 thread count sheets off the beds. Put some regular old cotton sheets on the bed. Let people come sleep there. God, help us, Jesus, to be content. The wind of mobility. I'm halfway through. I'll get through. We go further in a day than our grandparents went on vacation. We don't even realize it. We take all this for granted. You go further in a day than my grandparents went on vacation. My grandparents... Went to the creek, which was like seven miles from their house. And they camped down there for four or five days and they fished for perch in their dresses. Think about that. We drive seven miles just to grab a Coke. You do. I'll drive 25 miles to Starbucks. I love coffee. I'll go out of my way. And if it shows up on the map and it's further than I thought, I'm just going to keep going until I get to Starbucks. <laughs> if it's in Missouri, we're going to Missouri to get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I almost had that happen last week. I turned and I went the wrong direction. I just kept going. I said, it was down here somewhere. I didn't look at the Starbucks map and it was the other direction. I just kept going. It's down in the neighborhood got worse and worse and worse. And I thought, man, they are picking horrible locations for their company. <laughs> So I pulled into this place that I should have pulled into and looked at the map again. And I was like seven miles back the other way across the freeway. And it was right over the freeway. I need coffee bad. (laughs) 65 million people are moving to urban centers annually around the globe. Think about that. Makes me want to move to the country. 1967 launched the Airbus A300, the 737-100 and the Concorde all happened in one year. It created the, 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 the mass transit, mass transportation, mobility move that we have today. I don't think anything of getting on an airplane going anywhere to go to work. 
I get on an airplane, I fly to California, I time it so I get there for the meeting, I have the meetings, I'll go get on an airplane, go home. I don't think anything of that. It's just time spent because I can. Does it make sense? So we take all this for granted today. We just act like this has always been. It's not always been. 214 million migrants in the globe today, up 37% in the last 10 years. 29 million Hispanics moved to the USA from 1990 to 2011. 29 million. How many cities is that? Flying on vacation has quadrupled in the last 30 years. It just, it's fixing to blow up again right now. People have been locked up. Everybody's buying tickets to go somewhere. Watch the airline tickets. Look what just happened. I could fly to Indy for 350 bucks. I like to not have found a $750 ticket. And I upgraded and it got almost 1000 Is that stupid? And I, it's two and a half hours. And I can't ride and coach for two and a half hours? Obviously not. I was working on this lesson. I needed privacy. But I've been working on this lesson since March of 2020. So it really doesn't. I could have sat in the restroom with my laptop been just fine. Oh, my God. If you don't like it here, you can move down the street to another church. Right? That's mobility. That's, what's mo- that's what mobility has done in here. These are mental wars we're in. All right? And all it, it doesn't take a lot to get you to move. People are moving for crazy reasons. Convenience. Really, you'll change churches for convenience? I would fly here if I could. <laughs> to be in what I felt a while ago down here? You don't get that everywhere, guys. You don't get that everywhere. You just don't get it. And then lastly, you can now just stay home and go to church in your pajamas. And it's happening in droves. 30% of our people never came back in our organization after COVID. But guess what? Most of them kept paying tithes. Wrap your head around that. There's an obligation and they think they're going to heaven because they're paying tithes. I guess. It's the only way I can rationalize it. I can't figure it out. I'll let you do it. Daniel 12 and 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. And then a colon. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We've never seen travel like we see it today. The mobility we have, and we've never seen knowledge explode like it is right now. 2007 with the advent of the iPhone. The wind of morals. The majority, 54% of Christians now approve of homosexuality and gay marriage. Of Christians. Of Christians. Less than 50% believe this is absolute truth. Wrap your head around that. (laughs) You know why they don't? Because it's not the way I feel. It's not what I think. I don't think this. I don't feel like. I don't. Where'd that come from? That's coming from Satan himself. It is a wind that is blowing against all of us to create doubt like he did in the garden with Eve. O 
Over 60% of Protestants and Jews favor abortion. Jews, 79% of Jews favor abortion. I don't understand it. 40 million Americans visit internet pornography sites now regularly, affecting families horribly. Ashley Madison, a, this is a website for married couples to hook up with other people. 65 million Americans are members, have memberships on Ashley Madison. What in the world has happened? Their, their slogan, life is short, have an affair. And I hope nobody ever goes and searches URLs. I went and looked at it. Because I read a little story about it in one of the magazines I was reading, so I, or one of the sites I was on. So I went and looked at their website to see if that slogan's right. That slogan's there. Life is short, have an affair. The morality of our world has gone into the toilet. And I'll show you something in just a second. Pew, direct link between church attendance, religious beliefs, and moral decay. 24% attend church every week of Americans. 29% never attend. Less than 47% report belonging to a church. 26% are atheists, agnostics, and believe nothing in particular. And that's up from like 16% only 10 years ago. They've never experienced the power that me and you experience today. Don't tell me people are not hungry. Only 24% attend church every week. 75% are not attending church weekly. Think about that. I want to show you a chart. God, the same yesterday, today, forever, right? If the church had separated itself to God instead of from the world, where would we be today? Think about that. If we had stayed separated unto God, as Paul said, I'm separated unto God. He didn't say I'm separated from the world. We got to be careful letting the world be our benchmark that we're separating from. We need to separate unto him. Does that make sense to you? So what's this? So what's happened as the world has gone into the abyss, the church has taken great pride that we've stayed separated from the world. But this arrow on the right shows you that we have a gap that's hideous. Does this resonate? I can't change you. I can't ask you to change even, but I can change me. I can say, Lord, what does it look like for me to be separated unto you? What do I need to abandon? What do I need to give up? What do I not need in my life? What do I not need to read? What do I not need to watch? This is personal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. In Jesus' name. Let me break something to you. There is no corporate salvation. I don't care how powerful this church is. Without a personal relationship with the Lord, you're not making it to heaven. I'm serious. You guys, you got to get this. They can't get you there. It's up to you.
Wow. First Corinthians six and nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rival or revilers, nor extortioners. I'm sorry, this is like 14 point type, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God. Wow. Wow. I got to finish. The wind of mentality is blowing against the church. We don't see the world our parents. We don't see the world the way our parents saw it. You don't think like your parents. You guys, you don't think like your parents now. I sure don't think like my parents. My parents went through the depression. It scarred them. I was raised to go out there, boy, make some money. Get out there, you can do it. If they can do it, you can do it. They put their pants on just like you put your pants. You get out there and do it. Somebody tells you you can't do it, you prove to them you can. That was my daddy. We were just told we could do it. And I did it. I didn't finish school. But I did it anyway. Because I was told I could. And you guys can too. But we got to be careful chasing that. But our mentality has changed. That's where all this doubt's coming from. That's where all the questions are coming from. That's where all this I think, I feel stuff's coming from. Our mentality has changed. We've been influenced by the world. We're influenced by other doctrines. Not this one. We have access to more data than any time in human history. In your pocket. The phone is possibly the most fascinating computer that's ever been created. The smartphone that we carry around called an iPhone. And this iPhone 13 is off the charts. And I hear the 14 may have satellite communication in it where you can buy the service to connect to a satellite with that phone. That will be transformative again. I mean, these crazy things are nuts. The reality is you're only a click away from immorality. One click. And you know where they're at. They're there. We used to preach against television. Why? It was something we could control. We said we don't have televisions in our homes. Nobody will say you don't, shouldn't have a pocket phone. You, know, you shouldn't have this thing in your pocket. Right? Because it's the way we communicate. This thing's deadly. It's deadly. We're, we're giving them to our kids. Wow. Majority of Christians now favor homosexuality and gay marriage. We don't think the way we did. The explosion of communication, social media, and smartphones has changed everything forever. And it's all bled into the church. It's all bled into the church. It's all bled into me. It's all bled into you. We're all affected by this. 2 Timothy 3 and 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's a troubling scripture. And the last one, six winds of multilateralism. We're closer than we think to one world governance. The Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, is pushing every day. The UN's common agenda happening in 23, a world of equity. Chinese president just made a public statement that no matter what's going on in Ukraine, multilateralism has to happen. We can't stop it. And the more restrictions they are, he says, in the flow of the river, the more, the more stones we throw in the river to, to slow this down the more rapid the water is going to become. We can't stop multilateralism. 
they're hell-bent to get to a one-world government. And it's not our government, by the way. The United States is now not at the front. We're, we're further back in the line now. And I hate to say that. that. That hurts my heart. The impact on the church will be severe in due course. Revelation 13, 3 through 8. And the beast was allowed to wage war against the, the God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. We've got to be careful, church. The spiritual antidotes. The antidote to me is him and others. If you're dealing with anxiety, find somebody to pour yourself into. Find a person to help. In the midst of your anxiety, say, I need to help you. What can I do to help you? Pour yourself into somebody else, you'll find out your anxiety fades. Since we've gotten focused on ourselves, anxiety is overwhelming. And it's hitting the church like a sledgehammer right now. We have more people on anti-anxiety drugs than we even know. I taught a lesson called what? Me worry? To our church 10 years ago. And I had a line of people when I got through teaching coming up saying, I'm on antidepressants. I'm on anti-anxiety drugs. What do I do? How do I do this? What what needs to happen? What do I do to change this? I'm sorry. I wake up at 4 o'clock every morning stressed out and having panic attacks. That's not in here. It's because we're so focused on us and not on others. They said people that commit suicide are the most selfish people in the world. Nothing else matters except them. And all they can see is that they can't make it better. We've got to be careful. The spirit of me has bled into us in a drastic way. Put yourself into him. Make him first. And then deal with others. The antidote to more is less. See what you can do without. Start purging. Start, start getting rid of some things. The antidote to mentality is contentment. The antidote to mobility is to stand still. These are scriptural. The antidote to immorality or morals is godliness. Get in the word. See what it says. Live that. You'll be fine. Multilateralism, the straight gate and the narrow way. So what do we do? We shift from being focused on me to being about him and others. We shift from consuming to creating. What does that mean? Stop coming in here as a consumer just to be preached to. Start creating an atmosphere when you get here. Start praying before you get here. Start praying in the prayer rooms. Think about that. We were just talking about, I went to a church in California and for, the, for 30 minutes before the church starts, if you walk in there, you don't know what's going on. The whole church is praying in the same. People are walking around. They're shouting. They're, and I walked in and thought I was late for church. So I'm over in the corner on my cell phone thinking, how did I miss this? I mean, what? they've already had church starting here. No, church didn't start for another 15 minutes. They were praying in the sanctuary. And guess what happened when church started? They had an explosion, <laughs> a literal explosion. It was amazing. I'm afraid we're getting too structured and too programmatized because we're now, we're now public. And it's scary. It's very scary. Shift from just going to church to being the church. Shift from inspiration to aspiration. We've been inspired long enough. We've heard more preaching 
and the best preaching of any organization in the entire world. All right. But for some reason, we got it in our heads, we got it in our hearts, but we didn't get it in our feet. Think about that. We get it in here, we hear it, we sense it, we feel it, but our feet don't move. We got to get something going between the heart and the feet. Be intentional about being in the 20% and engaged in the kingdom. 20% do all the work. 20% are typically the worshipers. 80% typically watches. Happens everywhere. Make a decision to shift that. So I'm shifting from being in the 80% to the 20%. I'm going to engage in the kingdom work. Surrender your life to the Lord. Trust me, it's, it's not easy. But it's worth every moment of it. Recognize that the wins against the church are wins against against you and me personally. Every one of these are attacking us as individuals. They're attacking your home. They're attacking your children. The heads of households have got to get this. They've got to know that their homes have got, got to become altars. Mine wasn't. I messed up. I see, I see the failure. I blew it. I was too busy. I was an entrepreneur. I was going here and there. My wife was very diligent with our children. Don't take me wrong. She did an incredible job. Both girls are in church today. Grandchildren are all in church today. Thank the Lord for that. But I didn't do what I needed to do as the head of the household. And I'm living with that today. Prepare for the spiritual battle to the end of time. And that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you very much. Come on, let's give God praise right now in this house. We thank you, Lord. We are going to be aware because you're coming back very soon, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just lift up your hands right now and close your eyes. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, we are going to prepare ourselves, Lord. We will not be ignorant of the times that we live in. We are going to prepare our hearts, Lord, and we're going to awake out of the sleep and slumber. And we're going to prepare our lives, Lord. And from this moment, Lord, we're going to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We're going to prepare our homes and our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Confess something to God right now. You need to confess something to God. Lord, I, 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 I've gotten caught somehow. I've, I'm not aware. I'm not paying attention, Lord. I've got to change something in my life. I feel like the Lord is speaking to you today. All of us to change our homes. Please change your homes. I think the Lord is asking you to change your way. Keep your eyes closed and just just do a little self-inspection. What do I need to change, Lord? This is not a game we can play with. The end of time is right upon us. Something's blowing against your life and this house trying to inhibit what we need to do. But we've got to overcome. We can overcome. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone said amen. 
I really do feel like something's going to happen in someone's life. I don't know who it's going to be. I hope it would be everybody. I, I'm, I'll hold out hope that it'll be everybody. Make the determination. Make the determination. Something has just shifted in my life. I want to know, has something shifted in your life? Did you feel like even one thing just, it got you and said, yeah, I've got to, this, there it is right there. I've got to make a, a desperate change. Amen. Amen. Now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let the seed that's been planted today in our hearts, let it never go away. And let it grow up to produce the fruit that will feed us. And I pray, Lord, that our mindset would be changed and our awareness would be open. We're living, Lord, in the end of time. So we confess that, that your time is, is coming and the days are short. And we will not get caught in frivolous things or trivial things. We will not get in the snare of immorality, Lord. Our feet will be planted. We will be ever abounding, steadfast, and unmovable. I pray today that we would be on guard. I pray today that we'd be committed, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're going to pay attention to our lives, our minds, what we see, what we hear, our families, and our homes. And we're going to build the kingdom in this hour. This is your kingdom, and we are here to work. We're going to build the kingdom, and everyone said in Jesus' name, amen.